Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the University of Michigan Retirees Association podcast. Our podcast offers a fresh way to stay connected with our Retirees Association and the greater University of Michigan community through our many programs delivered by prominent faculty and inspirational community leaders and by our vibrant interest groups. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the following episode. Okay, hello everyone. We're here to discuss um, Garlic and Sapphires by Ruth Reichel. And since I have, I may have to disappear, I'm gonna start if that's all right. So Good. I really, really, really love the first half of this book. I just thought it was, um, she just does an amazing job uh, using her words and I enjoyed her description of the um, uh, process that she went through. And so I just really, really, really liked the first half of the book. And then it just kind of, I got tired because it seemed like it was a lot of the same thing. Really good writing, um, interesting stories, but um, I just kind of got tired of it. That but was I exactly... That was exactly my experience too, Sharon. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, it was well-written. The first half was great, but then it just became repetitive. And, um, and I just, I just got tired of hearing about all the fancy food in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you that tonight when my company comes, I'm serving Gougeres. <laughs> oh, those are good. What is that? What is that? I forgot what that even is. That, that is um, a patachou pastry. So it's a puff pastry that I serve with um, Gruyere cheese and or that I mix Gruyere cheese and black pepper in. And so they come out tiny. I make them in tiny little bite-sized balls so that you don't feel too guilty if you eat two or three. <laughs> and um, some I'll stuff with Borsan cheese. And some I'll just leave plain. So I felt sort of Ruthish when I was making that. <laughs> did, did you use her uh, re recipe? Her her recipe. It, I did not. I do not use that recipe. But her recipe is almost identical to mm. the recipe that I use. Mm -hmm. That's fine. So that's that. Uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Uh, loved, <laughs> loved, loved it. Um, I, in fact, the first half, I thought, gee, I might want to buy this book. And then as I got past halftime, I thought, hmm, okay. It was, it was, <laughs> it was fun. It was really a, a fun read at first. And then, um, then I was done. Sounds like you're voting that maybe if she had shortened it and, you mm -hmm. know, had it that there wasn't that much material to merit so many pages without getting repetitious, kind of. Well, yeah, I, I I honestly don't know why I I kind of ran out of gas at the end. It's, it just seemed like there wasn't anything too exciting about her subsequent characters. Um, oh, I thought that was fun. Yeah. So anyway, that that's that's uh, that's my take on it. I would recommend it uh, to my foodie friends. Um, I would, I would, but I would, I would recommend it with a caveat. Mm -hmm. 
I kept having an overwhelming feeling of, um, boy, you know, I guess it's the New York Times has decided it's food um, credit criticisms or, you know, critiques will be about the higher end restaurants where, hey, you know, you're lucky if you get out for $200 a person. Now, here in Ann Arbor, yes, once in a while I go out and we spend a lot of money that it seems a little ridiculous, but maybe once in a blue moon. But in general, I think, um, why don't they cater more in their critiques, cater more to the masses, meaning to more moderate or even inexpensive, but fabulous little hole in the wall restaurants where you mm -hmm. gotta go across town to get a really good sandwich of some type. She talked a little bit about that somewhere in the middle, but didn't seem to you know, said, do much about it. When she took it. that job, she said that, uh, yeah. she, she said just exactly what you said, Susan. She said, most of the critiques are on high-end restaurants, but she was going to talk to everybody else, but she, she didn't. But um, this book was written in 2006, which is much as I want to think that it wasn't that long ago, was a long time ago. And I kept thinking about that because I've read, you know, I watched some of the cooking competitions and I read other books by other chefs. And I feel like things have really changed a lot since she was in those disguises. Although it was fascinating and I agree with everything that's been said so far about how at the beginning it was really interesting, but then it kind of petered out. Mm -hmm. But I do think the age of it showed in that respect because now that restaurant reviewers are people on Yelp and all these things it is you don't know who the reviewer is and so and most people aren't going to go to the high-end restaurants in new york all the time so i i think that might be really different now than it was in you think that's true of the new york i don't know the current new york times reviewer um have they come down to um covering more moderate restaurants I mean, I'm not aware of it. I don't know at all. So I'd love to know. Actually, I I believe that the guy who was more recently or somebody who was more recently involved with the New York Times food section wrote a book, too, because I think I, one of my friends who I oh, who always was a Ruth Reichel fan and was trying to get me to read stuff and I never did, which is why I was glad to read this. She was talking about that book. And I, so I think, I feel like there might be, but I could be, I don't know the name and whatever, but I feel like there's there's been a more recent surge of people who work in, who who are critics of food in other cities. Um, and like the most famous one in LA is from a guy who did find all the hole in the wall places. Jonathan Gold, I think his name was. And that like was a totally different book in that put all these little places on the map. So it was kind of the exact opposite of, of what she was doing. And he didn't go in disguise. Everybody wanted him to come. So. <laughs> mm. 
That was yeah. kind of my question as, as she was going to all these restaurants and ordering all the most expensive food and everything. It's like I'm, uh, the accountant in me said, how much did she spend on on each of these restaurants? It's like, you know, even when I go to a nice restaurant, I try to find ways to economize. She wouldn't. <laughs> there, there seemed to be no limit on on ordering caviar and 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 multiple meals and uh you know it's like wow she could she just spend i don't i think a couple hundred dollars would have been the smallest amount she spent i think i i thought she's probably over five hundred dollars particularly if she brings somebody else with her she's at 500 to a thousand dollars and then she orders a bottle of wine and mm-hmm. which in new york is not not cheap either so it's like how, how much did she spend on this stuff expense account yeah right Absolutely. Well, I certainly don't eat like she does. I didn't even know what she was eating a lot of the time, but okay. Yeah. Uh, I had to Google it and find out what some <laughs> of it was, honestly. Uh, Susan, when you go out to eat in Ann Arbor, I was looking around and I think, where do we have any equivalent? And maybe that Nothing. Taste Kitchen, maybe Taste Kitchen next to the Michigan Theater down there might be, but I don't know what else. No. I, I I don't know. Um, and I didn't mean to say that I eat at places to that level. I mean, what would be a fancy, maybe the Gandhi dancer, but you oh, could get stuff yes, relatively yes. reasonably there if you're kind of careful what you order, or, you know, yeah. or it's an occasion. But um, this, you know, certainly seemed extraordinary. Um, yeah. There are restaurants like that in, in major cities like Chicago, San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know Chicago uh, has restaurants like that, but you know, um, the Michelin Guide to restaurants, and there is a Michelin Guide for Chicago. They have always have the what is it called? The bimdum. The what? The bim- <laughs> so there we are. I don't. I'm not quite sure what it's how to pronounce it, but these are, as you know, Michelin gives out one, two, or three stars. But then in addition, they have restaurants they like that they don't give stars to. They call these babindum. Oh. And so it's Michelin, it's that big bloated man, <laughs> uh, balloon man. And uh, he sort of is, is the character they associate with these restaurants. Hmm. Have any of you re- uh, eaten in any of these New York restaurants she was talking about? It actually, let me. Uh, one of the things I was going to say. I, this was a book I didn't. I didn't think I would like it, but a lot. Which is a, a number of the books that I go that we pick out. I go. Eh, all right. I don't know. I don't. I. I really did like the book. Me too. And I. And I. Did, I didn't. To go along with Sharon thing. The one thing I didn't like is how much time she spent t- talking about selecting all the clothes for her costumes. It's like. Eh, uh, all right. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to hear that anymore. But. But the thing that actually attracted me is uh, uh, when when Cindy and I, early on when we first met, uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, I, I just happened to find in a magazine a, a list of top, the top 100 restaurants by whatever this magazine said in, in the country. And uh, we were going to Dallas at that point, and one of them was in Dallas. So I, I we went to the restaurant and we, I don't know, we, we just... We were te- treated like royalty. Uh, the owner came up to us and liked us, and uh, so we had a great time. Mm-hmm. So we we said, well, the next time we go to, we'll find another one. And uh, and we have now 
over the year has gone to all hundred of those restaurants. I don't want to belabor that point, but a lot of them <laughs> are in New York City. Um, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of them are in big cities. So we have made it, and my daughter lives right outside of New York City. So we do get to New York City quite a bit and we've gone to them. So I, I was fascinating through the book of the restaurants that she listed uh, and then the ones that we've gone to. And there was probably, I don't know, probably a half dozen or more that we had been to. Uh, some of them she didn't agree belong on my top 100. She listed Sparks Restaurant and she only gave it a one star. And uh, that was that was on our list. And we've been there and I actually thought it was pretty good. So I didn't necessarily agree with her. Uh, and, you know, the, my and my list is, yes, there are some expensive restaurants, but one of the ones on my list is a drive-in hot dog stand in Atlanta uh, <laughs> that, uh, that was actually very good. I mean, it's a, a lot of them are not real expensive, but they're kind of unique. Some of them are very expensive. One of them was a ranch in California. So, so, so it is kind of nice to find a variety of them. You know, Tavern on the Green, if you wanted the thing to compare to Gandhi Dancer. It's like, if you're going to New York City, you should at least go into Tavern on the Green. The atmosphere is there. If you get an app, get an appetizer and have a drink just to enjoy going there. If you had, it's, it's in Central Park. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of the things that I try to take people to when we take people to New York City. So it was kind of neat to see how many of her restaurants, uh, that uh, that that we've been to, and I I I've forgotten what some of the other ones are, but uh, so that that made it really kind of an, an interesting an interesting book to me because we could uh, we could relate to it, and so it did hold my attention to the end because she she kept oh I'm not now I have to admit people since I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I can uh, I, I can do it, Al. I'm I, I well I just did I just admitted her, uh, Maureen, um, and. Uh, but it does prove that I'm the host now, so you you know for sure that I'm your co-host. Sorry to take over your job. <laughs> I've, um, I've eaten at, was it Windows on the World at the top of the World Trade Center about 20 some odd years ago, a long time ago. I don't remember the food, but the experience was fabulous. <laughs> I have to say that we re- I read that the book a long time ago. My husband and I get uh, CDs and and when we drive out to Colorado and Texas to see the kids and wherever we're going, we'll listen to books on CD. And we listened to that book on CD and it was excellent. And we didn't come to the, oh, we're the downside of, of having listened too long. It was a long book, but we enjoyed her antics and all of her, the wig place that she went to. And then taking the guest out to dinner, uh, the the person who had won, who thought he really knew about food, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and she said, "Well, he didn't really know about food." And we were very interested in the um, the ink from the squid, and uh, we bought some food then that had the ink from the squid. But I don't think we ever did end up eating it, you know. So, but anyway, I I just thought it was a, it was an adventure. We we took it as an adventure rather than um, than fact. And we love the airline business where the woman on the airline wanted to eat her lunch. <laughs> so, you know, it, we just thought it was a a fun book, you know. So, anyway, I liked it a lot. 
Well, the recipes were kind of nice too. I, I, I was, I, I thought I would make copies of those, but I never did. Uh, but uh, so I didn't make any of them. But I thought some of the recipes were interesting, and some people might want to try some of them. I, I, I didn't get to that. Being at the end of the book, since we had a CD, we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Wow. But kind of like see, I listened to it on uh, through Libby or something, and she does read the recipe, you know, which right. honestly, when you're listening to it, doesn't do you any good. <laughs> you're sitting there writing it down, mm. so I try to fast forward a little through it. But mm. my sister is in a book club, and a couple of years ago they read this, and she happened to host this oh, at her great. house for the discussion. So she did pick one of those recipes just for the fun of it and served it, right. you know, as they were discussing it. So uh, I don't know, just kind of a fun thing, you know. That's great. I think Ruth Reichel was a student here. Anybody know more about that than, than I? I'm not sure if she graduated, but it, but she might have. And I think my wife said that um, <clears throat> there was a, a very fancy French restaurant, only lasted about a year, on Main Street where Grazi was. So next to the shop house, mm -hmm. and she worked there. Um, anybody know any more about her being ah. living in Ann Arbor? Um, <laughs> I, um, I I have never been to any of the restaurants that she gave the reviews about, but she, I've been to several of the restaurants that she talked about in passing. Like the Four Seasons yeah, and yeah. Lutes. Never know. Hopefully, it'll be good. Um, and uh, what were you guys doing? The Four Seasons really wasn't. We, yeah. we went there. Well, we went there because they had a a pre theater special meal. <laughs> At that time, it was twenty five dollars, which was a uh, pretty expensive, I guess. Now it's a pretty cheap meal, <laughs> but uh, we went there for several times for that. Um, and, uh, and several other times, um, I remember going there. So this is now long enough ago that you, there was still smoking in restaurants. Mm. Don't think about that anymore. But anyway, um, with my mother and my sister and the four of us, uh, were at a table near people smoking. My sister was really upset about that. <laughs> I think she had just. This was like 1982 or 83. So uh, people knew you shouldn't be smoking, <laughs> but uh, they still allowed it in, in restaurants. Uh, I got looked it up here online. She uh, was raised in Greenwich Village and spent time in boarding school in Montreal. She attended the University of Michigan, where she earned a degree in sociology in 1968 and met her first husband, the artist Douglas Hollis. In 1970, she earned an MA in art history, also from the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, that, that, that's a good thing to know. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> I, I did, actually, I did find the restaurants that I've been to. I forgot I kept track of them. Right? So, so, so the one she mentioned in the book, Tavern on the Green, Spark Steakhouse 21 Club is interesting. Uh, even though the person I went to that one of the persons I went with there fell down the stairs there. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I have been to I have been to Four Seasons Cafe Forello. Ben Benson's was a it was a really nice steakhouse. 
and uh, Delmonico's, where Delmonico steak is really uh, got its start from down in uh, down in the Wall Street area is really kind of a, an interesting restaurant to go to if you're in New York City. It is fairly expensive, though. <laughs> that was mentioned in the first book we read. Remember going back? Um... The woman walking through New York? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did go there. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I was reading it, I was sort of thinking, okay, what does it take to be a food critic? Um, okay, you sort of have to have a way with words, try to make it interesting or funny or who knows what, but that's just the writing up of it. Of course, everybody'd love to have an expense account and let me go order the most expensive thing on the menu and say what I think. But you can't just say, gee, it was good, or boy, I like the cheese or something. Uh, she seemed to have a, a deeper sense um, of, you know, uh, like textures or underlying, just like when people describe wine, they describe it in ways I could never think of, or even after they say it, know if I agree with it, you know, with a hint of something and an underlying taste of whatever. So it didn't seem like anybody ever tried out for these jobs, you know, to sort of see who might be a, a, a better judge. But what is a better judge anyway? It's all about what you like. So I don't know, I got myself into this conundrum of thinking, um, how do people get to do this and uh, do they really merit the, the place or is it just, they're sort of a good writer? Uh, I don't know, but. Uh, I, 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 I thought about that too, Susan. And I thought that um, in my opinion, she really was more a writer who had an interest in food. So basically she was a writer and I guess she, she actually has published a novel that's just out. Um, but anyway, the, the way she describes things, it's she's a writer who has an interest in food rather than um, a, a real foodie who who has an interest in writing. So I, anyway, that's my that's sort of what I thought um, because otherwise, as you said, um, <laughs> you're having a hard time just imagining what is she experiencing because it's, she uses words and textures and things that um, you don't think about. Well, I actually, she, go ahead. Uh, she, I read another book after, after I finished this one by her called My Kitchen Year. And it was um, the year of the pandemic. Um, well, she lost her job and a different, I think it was the food and wine job. They, they closed the magazine and then, and then the pandemic hit. Anyhow, it's a whole year of her living in this house in Connecticut and the things that she cooked and how she got food, you know, like the farmer's markets, but also like what she did in the winter and different things that were going on for her. Um, and so I, I had a different opinion about that after reading that, that she is really uh, a cook. Now, maybe she's not a chef, but she's a cook. Um and it was interesting to hear her talking more about, there was more of her, the person, I think, in that book than in some ways. But that's also a more recent book. And again, I do think that things have changed for her 
and in the whole field of food and um and the whole like way that chefs on TV have become famous and um and all that kind of stuff has really changed a lot since 2006. Um but I also wanted to mention that last year I read a book called 10 Restaurants That Changed America. And of course, Delmonico's is, I think, the first chapter because it's legendary and it started kind of everything. But that is really fascinating because like the 10th the one is Howard Johnson's because <laughs> Howard Johnson's changed. Understandable. It changed like it. I don't I I. There's something about the sherbet, I think, that they served, but also like that you could get, you would find these places along the road and that the food was the same. Anyhow, it, there's a lot of history and it go, takes you to different part, parts of the country and there's just 10 of them. So it's a much shorter, you know, book, but it gives you a lot of history of restaurants in America. So I found that fascinating. Mm -hmm. hmm. That does sound interesting. You know, she you mentioned that she she's a good writer. I guess I, one of the things I was going to mention is she had some really kind of neat sayings. So when you talked about how she's tasting wine and, and you know, you're right. You go to taste wines and, you know, how does somebody say, well, I've, I think there was a deep cherry flavor in that or with, or this or that. And it's like, uh, if somebody just made that stuff up, you know, sometimes I can taste it, sometimes I can't. But I kind of, so one of the things I liked that she suggested was close your eyes and imagine where you might be as you're drinking that wine. I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm not trying mm -hmm. to do that in a restaurant, but I might do mm -hmm. it at home. Uh, that that was one of the things that she she described, and I, I she she did some some interesting off the uh, off the, the side things of what you what uh, what her thoughts were at times. And I thought that was one that I wrote down three of them. One of them, then the other one is a bad wine might assault the food with criminal intent. <laughs> and I thought I thought well that was that that was a different way to describe that. Uh, you know. I, uh, you know, you know. Sometimes wines just don't go well with with whatever foods you're doing. Not that I, not that I can match them up at all. And then the one that I like, I really like the best was every restaurant is a theater with the illusion that you have servants that allows you to become uh, someone else. And, and really, and I went, well, you know, that's maybe one of the best things I like about restaurants is it it, it it's almost the entertainment that you're getting. It it is the food, but that's when people ask me about our top 100 list. What did you like about it? I, and, and then we actually created our own list after that. And it's like, well, it, it's not always, you know, it's not the most expensive, but it's you're looking for places that have atmosphere and the service was good and it was in some unique place. And that little place down the alley, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that, that we found, uh, well, the one in San Francisco that one a friend found for us and he and I had, th had three dozen oysters when we were at this little alley, and I never would have found it without him taking me there. You know, mm -hmm. those kind of places are kind of neat, and uh, you know, and uh, and it, it's uh, it, they they are it's the theater that's going on that around the around the restaurant. So I was, I thought some of her descriptions of things there were were quite interesting. Good. That's very good. Sorry, I'm talking too much in this one. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I was just going to say, I did enjoy the book, but I really was intrigued by the costumes and the personalities that she took on. That's true. And not so much about the food, because I don't really eat that much meat. So I wasn't into all the steaks and, you know, 
anyway. But anyway, I think, isn't it an honor to get even one Michelin star? I just yes, watched that yes. series mm -hmm. on Hulu. It's called The Bear. Mm -hmm. It won a bunch of Golden Globes, too. Um, and it was, when, when I first started watching it, I thought, oh, my God, this is just a mess. They swear like sailors. And yeah. it's just so chaotic in the beginning. But then season two kind of ties it all together. But the whole thing is they're trying to take this little, um, like, Chicago beef steakhouse, you know, like sandwich place and make it into and get a Michelin star. <clears throat> so the whole thing revolves around making this restaurant and, you know, flashbacks to him working in another very expensive restaurant. And, you know, they're putting the food together, like with tweezers and um, just drop, drop, dropping the sauce on so that it's very beautiful. I mean, it, it's a fascinating series if you haven't seen it. <clears throat> All about restaurants mm -hmm. and crazy family. <laughs> What's the name of it? It's called The Bear. Oh. B-E-A-R. Okay. Watched the first episode and it was so stressful. Right. Um, <laughs> it was just a stress fest. And for whatever reason, we weren't, we weren't up for stress at the at the time, so we we didn't get past the first episode. But people I really love it. After the first episode, but one of my cousins had recommended it to me really highly, and I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to try it and see what happens. And you know, but truthfully, it wasn't just the first episode; <laughs> it went on and on. But then after you you know the second season, you figure it out. And I don't know if there's going to be a season three because at the end of season two, they open the restaurant. So I don't know if there'll be more. I kind of hope so. Sometimes I don't want to know too much about what goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, seat me up front. I don't want to be too close to the kitchen. Thank you. <laughs> I want to keep the illusion. Right. Right. I was interested in all that when you speak about illusions about the seating and the bad seats and the good seats and where you don't want to sit and all. I just go with it. I, I don't have that kind of knowledge of that etiquette. <laughs> I just clamber in there and kind of take what they give me. Mm -hmm. I don't behave well, I guess. And I'm too ordinary for fancy restaurants, although I have eaten in some, I really have. More in Europe than here, but um, anyway, it's uh, the etiquette of being in that is off-putting to me. <laughs> yes well it also seemed like the middle of the room was where they wanted you know if like if you were someone they put you in the middle of the room I don't want to sit in the middle of the room at a restaurant you know I want to sit on the side and enjoy myself and you know not that I go to any of these fancy places but <clears throat> I thought that was interesting probably benefits the restaurant more than the patron I do want to sit by the window at the Gandhi dancer though Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh, where the train goes by yes right. <laughs> you know. only marjorie only in the summertime i would not like to sit next to the window at gandy dancer at oh, this time of year where, with the temperatures the way they are You're no way right. yeah we You're we right. we went to a restaurant here in florida and uh they sat us next to the restaurant and it's been chilly enough that it was a table for six so we moved over one seat so we weren't Right next to the window, but even so, I was I was really chilly at, at the mm -hmm. restaurant. So 
-hmm. I like, I like the light. I like to be able to see everything, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. There's something I, else in here. Did you know that she was the, um, she was the head of the gourmet 1999. She assumed editorship mm -hmm. of gourmet until 2009 yeah. when it closed and they sold 988 copies per month. Nine hundred eighty-eight thousand copies oh, per month <laughs> while she was the tenure, and wow. despite her success and her use of disguises, she um, has quite open about her, why she stopped. I really wanted to go home and cook for my family. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's one thing more important you can do for your kids than to have family dinner, mm. which sure. I thought was interesting. Yeah. I really liked her looking at the lady in the bus who was so nondescript that she made her one of her disguises after that lady. Right, and yeah. since then, I have watched people and looked at people and seen people that were, you know, that, that you wondered, what are their thoughts? What do you know about this person and stuff like that? I thought that was very, very mm -hmm. observant, you know? Well, and then she made she made herself up as this gorgeous blonde, and and this guy wanted to pursue her. <laughs> not, re not realizing that uh, she was somebody different than that. <laughs> right, right. I right. thought that was pretty funny. Right. And how she discovered that the clothing changed her personality. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. He even acted differently or oh, felt like she that's did. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it says that we should all do some sort of disguises to see how other people may be feeling or how we might be feeling if we were like them. <laughs> but that really is something interesting, isn't it? That uh, she would actually adopt <laughs> the personality of, of the imagined person she looked right. like. Right. Um, when yeah. she became. Just like her mother, she became. She actually acted like her mother. Uh -huh. Of course, she would know that, um, but she didn't have to act like her mother. She just did. Right. Yeah. I have some of my mother's clothes, and I've had that experience, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in other words, don't give your daughter your clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I have a little little anecdote about just back a few sentences of when we were talking about where you sit in a restaurant. Um, my daughter and I had gone down to Disney World and there's a restaurant down there. I think it's called the 50s Primetime Cafe or something. So, you know, it's it has like these um, not linoleum, but what do you call it? The tabletops made out of the stuff all the old-fashioned tables used to be. And oh they'd God. have a little TV <laughs> by the table with Leave it to Beaver episode running. And, you know, the waiter comes and says, uh, finish your vegetables or you're not getting your dessert. And sort of a fun experience. But when, and you know, you're going to pay an arm and a leg for anything in Disney World. So, <clears throat> so we, we went, we had a reservation, just me and my daughter. We were uh, taken in to a table that was way in the back corner. I mean, it was just kind of dark and there was none of this, um, you know, th these fun things very close that had drawn us in. So I did say to myself, 
okay, you know. So I said, Katerina, well, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask them if they could reseat us, you know. So I was very kind to the lady who was a very sweet cast member, you know, and uh, just said, um, gosh, when I read about this restaurant, uh, I I had it pictured, you know, that there, I described, you know, some of the TVs and some, a little bit more of the decoration. It's possible you could find one where so she gets on her little you know walkie talkie and says sure follow me and she took us to the most marvelous table it was just like a little dinette set that you might have had in the 50s and and it was just more lively and more light and all and so I was just grateful I'd done that I don't want to be one of those people who always doesn't like where I sit and you know can I have two tables over but this was sort of a dramatic thing. And so it was just fun. It had such a happy ending. I thought I'd mm -hmm. share that with you. Um, and lastly, before I get off Disney, because I know we're not discussing that, um, it is interesting as we were talking about the price of things and all. You know, you go down there and here's a, here's a vacation, here's a setting that's geared towards families, children and whatnot. And the price is being so high. And even my daughter and I, just two of us, you know, our bill for each meal without overdoing it can be quite a bit. And, you know, then you see a family walk in with, with you know, maybe six family members. I think, geez, how, how, how does this work? How did they do it? You know, so, so anyway, it's just, I'm throwing that in as long as I'm thinking about Orlando, but um, uh, it, it is, uh, I mean, people obviously do it and, you know, realize, hey, if we're down here, you hate to be somewhere and then cut corners in such a way that you don't enjoy certain aspects of things, a lot of which is the eating. So uh, there you go. Okay. That's my end. I think, I think things have changed over the years. I, I When we grew up, we were in the Chicago suburb and uh, we had, I had five siblings, so there was seven of us. We did not... If, if we went to McDonald's, we were lucky. <laughs> uh, and then when you talked about Howard Johnson, so our our ex, our expensive restaurant was when we went to Big Boy once in a while. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so how, somehow how things have changed. And uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I probably made we only had two kids, two kids. So I I I made the mistake of, of uh, taking my kids to nicer restaurants and my son all of a sudden saying, well, I really did like that lobster we had last time <laughs> or, or that filet that we had last time. I said, you can't have that all the time. <laughs> uh -huh. so it, it, uh, but, but no, taking six people, I don't know how people afford that. Yeah. Well, even though these restaurants are expensive, you know, it's very hard to get a reservation. <laughs> um, we're going to New York in May and, uh, Already, my my wife is plotting to get a reservation in La Bernadette. I don't know oh. if you've been there, but it's a really nice fish restaurant, and it's not that easy to get a. They said um, the, our website opens up for May, um, April first, and um, you know, get online, um, starting at ten o'clock in the morning, and places will fill up by. Eleven. <laughs> wow. wow. We yeah. we did this with uh, the French restaurant, uh, or Thomas Keller restaurant in 
in um, California. I, I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it was very difficult to get a reservation there. And uh, we, I think we got a reservation by calling before 10 o'clock, yeah, 10 o'clock their time, um, and somebody answered the phone. But if you, the day before we tried that, we didn't really call until 10 o'clock their time, but we could never get through. And when we finally got through, all the reservations were gone for um, when we wanted to be there. So, yeah. So, in spite of the fact that they're they're very expensive, <laughs> right. um, not that easy to get a reservation. Yeah. yeah. Well, New York just has so many little restaurants off the beaten yeah. track. And it, 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 it is, I, I, that's why I like the chapter where she described it. She was one, I think, if she was going to Brooklyn and did that car ride and went to this shop market, shopping market and went to that one. And, and, and when you can find somebody that can recommend either shops or restaurants that are down side streets or in, you know, they, they, they aren't on, they, they aren't on, uh, 42nd street or anything like that they're mm -hmm. they're uh they're off off to the side they're they're really it's fun to find these little restaurants it, it's one makes one one of the things that's most fascinating about new york city is to finding things that are out of the way that the that you just stumble upon so just wandering mm -hmm. new york can be, can be a fun thing mm -hmm. and then there's katz's deli <laughs> what deli? Katz's Deli in New York, where Harry met K A T Z. Yeah, oh, where Harry okay. met Sally. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we worked our way. We found it. I think we even sat at the same table. It was an Ooh. experience. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. A place that we like to go to that somebody recommended that lived in New York is a place called Don't Tell Mama. Uh, it's it's a very interesting place to go to after a play. So, Richard, if you're in New York and you're going to a play, uh, it's a few blocks away from the main theaters. I mean, uh, it, it, uh, but it is walkable, and and a lot of times some of the the singers actors will come to that restaurant afterwards, mm -hmm. and and they'll they'll get up there. There's always entertainment there in the evenings after the show. Somebody's singing, but oftentimes. Uh, there are uh, performers that will come there afterwards and and just uh, just add you know just uh, uh, get up in front and sing and it's, it's a it very mm -hmm. interesting place that's one of those places off to the side that I never would have found without somebody local telling me about it. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. going to a restaurant in New York City that we'd read about in the New York Times, and to tell you the truth, I'd have to get my journal to figure out what it was. But it was they had cartoons, signed cartoons all over the all over the walls. And it was uh, we had to walk quite a way, but it was it was fun. Uh, but I read about it in The Times. I'd forgotten about that. Yes, you say out of the way places. Interesting ones. <laughs> yeah, to look that up. Of course, nowadays, um... I mean, there really aren't too many people just sitting around reading newspapers. Um, like I was thinking about Ann Arbor. I was thinking, gee, I wonder if there's a restaurant critic or something here that I ought to start paying attention to, to learn about new things or, you know, even th places that have been around for a while that maybe I haven't been to or recently. But 
who would that critic be and from what what organization you know i don't think there is um maybe the observer every now and then will put a little paragraph of a notice but usually it's if something's about to open um I guess that's about it. I don't know. Um, but then after the fact, I'd love to hear, gee, how's it going and the food and, and particularly the atmosphere. You know, a lot of the atmospheres in these kind of strip mall restaurants are kind of similar and kind of generic. And if, I feel kind of lucky if it is sort of different and cozy and, you know, unique. I don't know. But... Um, does M Live cover those kind of things? Oh, yeah. I don't think so. No, I haven't seen it. See, like I, I get them occasionally online. I, I'm sorry. Yes, it does. They do. They do have um, daily. They do talk about uh, restaurants around the state. Mm. Oh. Well, then there's the um, guy Freddie <laughs> and his triple D. Drive in diners and dives. Um, oh, okay. On TV. Guy Fieri. Yeah. Um, I think his real name is Ferry, but he changed it to be more <laughs> dramatic. Um, anyway, he comes to Ann Arbor um, and, and uh, eats in, what is it? Blimpies. You know, Blimpy? He did Blimpies. That was the first yeah. place in Ann Arbor he did. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's done, I think, someplace in Ypsilanti. Mm. Mm. And there's also a show on Detroit PBS called Under the Radar. And that guy goes to restaurants in the state. Yeah. Oh. Uh -huh. And that's he's cool. done Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. He did one show on the Ypsilanti drive-ins that still exist. Um, where you can still drive up and get food come to your car. Uh -huh. That was pretty mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The the other the other thing that uh, another interesting chapter in the book was uh, when she took her son to dinner and and where does her son want to go? Benihana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he likes mm -hmm. the entertainment there, and and mm -hmm. and she said that's one of her least favorite restaurants. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I I have been to Benihana's, and I I will. It's kind of entertaining, at least anyway. And yeah. I don't know the food is, is is kind of interesting, but it was was like yeah, your kids might like different restaurants than you like. When one place where they take so if you got uh, younger people. Uh, where they have to be quiet and 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 uh, obey all the restaurant rules and everything. Uh, uh, some of these restaurants would not be the right place, but Benihana's mm -hmm. might be, particularly if the guy flips a, a food into your hat or on your head. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of like that she took her son to some of these places. It was a little bit of a different take on things, of course, from a kid's point of view, but wasn't there some potato or somewhere that he really liked and wanted to go back there for it? And I thought, oh, it just yeah. gave you another more basic take on certain things, you know, um, uh, and, you know, how how they handle it, you know, in her personal life. Uh, she was gone a lot and, uh, you know, has take the kid along if you can, but most of the time he didn't. And uh, I guess that's why over time she said, I just want to eat with my family. Yeah. 
Well, anything anything else that anybody wants to bring up? It looks like Sharon's probably getting ready for dinner for her guests. <laughs> She's disappeared. We'll have, to, we'll have to ask how it was. Yeah, um, but uh, Pat, you're. I understand you're you're uh, going to stop by and visit her again. I I've heard somewhere. We are. We are. Yeah. Yep. It's a long drive down there, but it was a delightful visit we had last year, and we're looking forward to seeing Sharon and Steve again this year. Okay. So. And I'll make you my gougeres. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> You're back. Wonderful. Yes. You can, yes. You can report on that at our at our uh, at our next meeting. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. They have a beautiful house and a wonderful black backyard <clears throat> and a great city. So yep. Looking well, forward best, to it. Right. Yeah. Yep. And well, our next book is The West with Giraffes, isn't it? If, yes. if I remember correctly. You know, well, I'm glad you suggested it because I'm in the middle of reading it now. And never in a million years would I have picked it up. I mean, somehow just the concept of driving these giraffes across the country, you know, I'm not sure it would have grabbed me. But, oh, my gosh, I was engaged from like the first or second page. And the fact that it was based on truth, and I'm sure she's elaborate or he's elaborating in a way that you know to what the conversation was you know when they were hitting these bumps you know on the road or whatever um really um was quite interesting and i googled some things thinking was this really real are they, are they stretching the point here on this being like historical fiction or whatever and no they weren't you know almost everything they talk about uh, but it's done in such an engaging way that uh, this is sort of a, to me, kind of a classic book for a book club. You know, get exposed to a book you just might not otherwise have read and you end up enjoying it. So mm -hmm. there you go. It's interesting. We um, we visited with Don's cousin and we went to uh, the Brevard uh, uh, zoo, and it's a little zoo that has bamboo tree, uh, trees all over it, so everything isn't out in the sun. And we went to see the giraffes, and they have seven giraffes, mm. and they distinguish the different giraffes by their um, ice cones. They're they're what we would call a horn, but the giraffes, one of them, uh, I think they called him Greg. Uh, love taking the lettuce with a romaine lettuce out of your hand. And they take that tongue out there and it's a big blue tongue and circle it around the lettuce. And I mean, the kids were feeding him. We were feeding him. It was, it was just, it was delightful. And I said to the women, because they were all women that were working there. Have you read West with giraffes? Uh, one of them had. But it's interesting to me that she didn't tell all the other ones, you need to read this book, you know. So, um, but the giraffes were incredible. There was one that was smaller than the other ones and he only ate the straw. And the But Greg came up and he stayed there and ate and ate. And and some of the people even touched him and, and, and he didn't back away too much. But uh, uh, yes, I think it's a delightful book. I'm glad you like it, Susan. 
because I recommended it because I <laughs> I've recommended it to all kinds of people. It's just I find it delightful. Yep. So I hope you all enjoy it. Look forward to it. I enjoyed this one. Yeah. Yes, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. Maureen or anybody else that uh, hasn't had a chance to Maureen, you've kind of gone in and out. Uh, it looks like uh, in our meeting, anything to add? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm traveling and that's why I had, um, uh, I was on mute and yeah. So anyways, I, though I was listening all, all along, so I'm just going to go in a quiet spot here so I can say my two cents. But um, I, I was most taken back by the, the social part of her when she assumed the, the identities of the other people and how she was able, how she took on their personalities and how it bothered her about certain things that she, and how she was so able to, oh, be able to um, internalize maybe like the, the trauma of other people. For example, Betty, the, the, the woman who didn't have much and appeared to be uh, older, et cetera, and all the isms that she experienced being that person. Mm -hmm. And I, it made me think about, uh, someone else had said that as well, uh, it made me think about when you look at somebody, do you really know their story? And um, I mean, I think that anyways, but to really think about the way people look at you sometimes in a restaurant, how come I got the bad table? <laughs> 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 right? How come they gave me the bad tables? My coat shabby looking or what? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, you do, you do. And I did I, some of those restaurants, um, I had known from New York, not that I'd eaten in them, but I had um, did my, part of my graduate school there. So I had known some of those places and it just seemed so, some of it just was a, a little disheartening to think of the haves and the have nots. And well, the social part of it, I guess, affected me more than the food part of it because I'm not much of a foodie. Uh, but um that, but I, I found it very interesting, and I did enjoy the book. And it wouldn't have been a book I would have ever thought to pick up and read, just because I'm not a foodie. Uh, and so, um, so yeah. But I really did enjoy it, and um, I've enjoyed the conversation too. What people have said, I have agreed with. I'm sitting here nod, nodding my head. Yes. <laughs> I have a question. Do you know where the word sapphire in the title came from? I don't think I ever discovered that. When it's I... a quote from T.S. Eliot poem, which I have yet to look up. Yeah. Someplace she, they mentioned, she mentioned it. it. Yeah. Yeah. She mentioned it and I thought, oh, that's it. So, but I haven't looked it up. Okay. Let us know when you look it up, Marjorie. I think maybe I'll put it in the, in the review. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this latest episode by the University of Michigan Retirees Association. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to learn more about us, visit us on the web at umra.hr.umich.edu and subscribe to this podcast. Thank you again. See you next time. And always, go blue.